studio in like what two months yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been a while i apologize hi everyone hello you are listening to the art support on citr 101.9 fm we are broadcasting live from the unceded ancestral and traditional muskeem territory in vancouver and hello Lua. how hi, are you everyone. i'm good i am tired oh no <laughs> today has been like a weirdly like long but at the same time short day Oh, you know, like one of those days where it's like feels really long, but you don't get as much as you think you th- were gonna get accomplished. So yes. it feels kind of short. I I understand. Yeah. very much so. so. Yeah. yeah, just one of those days. Well, thank you for being here. Still, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not alone in the studio. Ooh. Um, so we have a great show for you today. We have two interviews and. Uh, review no three interviews actually not <laughs> never mind we have three pre-recorded interviews and we also actually have a giveaway a giveaway yes I love which giveaways. is very exciting i love giveaways too <laughs> they're amazing they're great so <laughs> have you uh heard of red sky performance if not let me <laughs> let me let you <laughs> what introduce you to. let me introduce you to there you go <laughs> thank you so much Lua. what would i do without you Red Sky Performance is a dance company from Toronto, and they are coming to Vancouver for a show for three nights um, in, well, presented by Dance House. As you might know, Dance House uh, brings in lots of, lots of different um dance companies from all over the world and uh this time around it's from toronto uh and so november 24th to 27th is red sky performances performances (laughs) and we have two tickets to give away for opening night uh november 24th at 8 p.m if you want more information about what this performance is, I will give more information about it uh, throughout the show. So uh, keep listening. And if you want to win the tickets, <laughs> just email us at arts at citr.ca or message us on any of our social media. This could be on Instagram, which is arts report CITR, on Twitter, which is CITR underscore arts report, and on Facebook, which is arts report on CITR 101.9 FM. But before we uh, give more information about uh, this giveaway, (laughs) I think what we're going to do instead is play one of the pre-recorded interviews. So this interview Phoebe did with Christian Christine Nielsen. I hope I pronounced that right. Um, yeah, so <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me this morning. It's um, great to be here. Thank you yeah. for your interest in the show. Absolutely. Uh, to start off here, would you mind uh, introducing yourself um, and your name and your role in the project? Sure. So my name is Christine Nielsen, and I am the producer, writer, and director of Nature's Big Year, which is a documentary that uh, premieres on CBC The Nature of Things and airs on CBC Gem. Amazing. Um, So I just watched this actually yesterday, and I really loved it. It was interesting and um, surprising, I guess, in a way that I kind of wasn't expecting, even though I'd read the description beforehand, of course. Um, and so I 
guess was wondering first of all, what got you into this area of focus for the documentary? What inspired the, the project to get kicked off? Yeah, so I, like everybody else, at the start of the pandemic, you know, uh, we're locked down in our houses, you know, reading social media, watching the news. And there were these stories popping up here and there about dolphins returning to the canals of Venice when there were no cruise ships around. Yeah. And yeah, monkeys those. and deer taking over the streets in Thailand and Japan and, you know, deer roaming the streets of London, England. So I just wanted to find out like how much of this was sort of I guess, social media BS and how much right. of it really was supported by science. So that, that was the impetus. Mm -hmm. But I, I also, a lot of the uh, films I make and a lot of the, the journalism I do is science related. So I also started wondering whether lockdown provided sort of a, a giant unplanned controlled experiment for certain types of scientists. So that was the, that was the impetus for the film. Yeah, and it, it came up in a couple of the, I guess, case studies, you'd call them. It, it acted as a massive opportunity to have a controlled environment that they never could have created otherwise. Absolutely. I mean, all the scientists, you know, hastened to say from the outset that they, they were not unaware of what a... Um, you know what it what a terrible thing the pandemic was for for so many people around course, the world yeah but as scientists they also pretty quickly became aware that this might be the it's certainly the only time in modern history up till now that they've had the opportunity to study uh such a huge uh change in human activity and how that affects both animal pop well animal populations, but also our own populations, because we also include stories in the show about urban noise and mm. uh, and air pollution and how that affects us human animals. How did you find the different um, examples that you ended up focusing on in the documentary? Well, we had a we had a really really small research team. Basically, it was myself and a wonderful associate producer and researcher by the name of Ben Schaub, uh, who has many years of experience in, in science journalism and science research. So we reached out to you know, a lot of our contacts that we knew from previous uh, science shows we'd done, and essentially, yeah, just ask them, what, uh, what are you doing? Are you interested in lockdown as a giant control experiment? And it turned out that a lot of them were already onto it. I suppose not surprisingly. A lot of them were already well underway with their research by the time we contacted them in wow. late late April, early May of 2020. And I guess that makes me wonder as well. A lot of the people and their experiments and their research and the science was revolving around the fact that they couldn't do it for a certain period of time as well because of restrictions and because of the lockdown. Surely that must have made a difference to you guys as well. So how were you able to film their process given a lot of it was during COVID lockdown? And it was it was incredibly challenging. Um, we so so we started the research in spring of 2020. And almost immediately, we had to start doing some filming because we wanted to show the scientists sort of through the process of their research. So yeah. we had to get out in the field by end of May, early June to do our first bits of filming. And it was tough because the, the film industry had not yet uh, you know, figured out its own protocols. Most right. broadcasters were still sort of struggling with with you know how to how to manage the the pandemic uh, yeah. you know, working during the pandemic, so essentially we consulted with uh, our own health experts. We consulted with various bodies across the country, um, and and just came up with our own protocols in that very early stage, which turned out to be pretty much what eventually got adopted, but we were a lot stricter. Essentially, in those early days, it was just me and a cameraman, um, you know, driving in separate vehicles, fully masked, wow. all the shooting was outdoors. Um, and then as time wore on, uh, we had to work through three waves of COVID and lockdowns in 11 different locations in three countries. Oh, um, so that was that was tricky. And ultimately, for all our shoots outside Canada, 
we hired wonderful local crews, most of whom I've worked with on, on previous productions. And I either directed by Zoom, if that was feasible, but where the filming was out, you know, in the wilderness, yeah. we just had to prepare incredibly great uh, shoot instructions prior to, prior to filming. And because these were all really good teams, they, they delivered big time. Yeah, from a technical standpoint as a director, I'm sure that was really interesting to have to learn, if, if challenging as well. It, it was. It was, uh, to be honest, a lot of it is, is stuff I have never thought I would have to learn. I mean, often on these types of productions, there are specialists who deal with every facet of production, yeah. uh, you know, who I as the director and, and writer and producer rely on. But you know, because of lockdown, because we were all working from home, I had to learn a lot of that myself on this production. Mm. And at the time I was swearing a lot, but now I'm really happy <laughs> I know it. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I want to vaguely change topics to, I guess, the, the general takeaway of documentary or, or the, the messaging behind it. Do you feel like it's supposed to be a commentary on human impact and responsibility in the climate? Or was that kind of just... Uh, no, my interpretation you know I know that's an absolutely intentional message because yeah. it's something that that I just fundamentally believe I, I I guess in the in the sort of macro what what I would love for people to take away from the film is our our interconnectedness with all other species right uh, and and not just our interconnectedness with you know big iconic mammals but with with everything including yeah. the you know the little bugs and beasties that a lot of people consider pests i just think you know if if more of us think about the world as interconnected as opposed to human centric and everything flowing from that i i think it'll help the planet a lot and the planet needs that help uh, so if if my film you know, sends out that message, even in a small way, that makes me really happy. Absolutely. You can't see me right now, but I'm, I'm nodding a lot. <laughs> I love to hear that. Also with that, what did you find, not to spoil too much for the people who haven't seen it yet, but what did you find um, your research and discoveries within this documentary said about the human impact on the environments that we're related to and a part of? Well, uh, I mean, I, as you said, I won't I won't sort of spoil it for people um, because it would be great if they if they watch the show. But what I will say, uh, you know, I can summarize a little bit. I mean, we learned from an amazing team uh, at the University of Manitoba mm -hmm. that birds across North America uh, changed their habitat use depending on how locked down a community was. And it was a massive change. And the, the scientist talks about the changes as shocking and yeah. amazing. Like it's really language you don't hear very often from scientists. Uh, birds in some places actually changed their song when there was less traffic, both, both uh, ground traffic and air traffic around. So we do a, a really, I think, fun story uh, in the UK with yeah. UK blackbirds and one of the world's uh, best uh, sound recordists, one of the most renowned sound recordists in the world, Chris he, Watts. He works, works a lot with David Attenborough, right? He works with David Attenborough. Yeah. yeah. So he, when he was stuck at home, he, of course, having the wonderful ear he has, he noticed that blackbirds seemed to be singing differently, but, but he couldn't quite put his finger on how scientifically so we teamed him up with a young Canadian scientist who then put his recordings through spectral analysis and she determined that yes the song of the male blackbird was quite different during lockdown than it was once traffic returned to normal because it could the blackbird could actually hear its rivals and it yeah. added a more aggressive note to its song to try and scare off the other males yeah, and it was a very quick response as well, which I've also found surprising. Yeah, it was, uh, we were, we were amazed. We were also delighted because this was, I mean, the, the research or the, sorry, the results that came out of that have been uh, replicated in other parts of the world by other scientists with other bird species. But we were really thrilled that we were able to set up kind of our own little experiment with these yeah. two amazing people in the UK. 
yeah, how incredible. And there was a lot uh, more like that within the documentary. And I think a lot of nuance in the different conclusions as well. So I think I was surprised by some of the different animals and the different case studies in a way that I yeah, wasn't expecting. So I really recommend people, if you want to find out more about the way our, I don't know, local animals very much are dependent on how we behave. Absolutely. Yeah. Another big one uh, was loggerhead uh, sea turtles in yeah. Florida. Uh, that was incredible. Beaches, and when the beaches were shut down, loggerhead turtle nesting was 12% more successful than it was when, when humans are allowed to just wander the beach at will. Really incredible, uh, especially considering that it's a threatened species. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much. I can't wait to hear how this, how this goes and how, how people um, respond when it's airing tonight, right, you said? Or I guess yes. we're, we're pre-recording this interview, so if you're hearing yeah. this, it is already so it's, out, but... uh it premiered on November the 12th uh, yeah. on The Nature of Things. That was the broadcast premiere, but it is streaming all the time on CBC Gem and hopefully lots of people uh, view it. Yeah, and it's, it's short and sweet and I think it could be enjoyed by all ages. Yeah. Even families sitting together. Exactly. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for chatting with me this morning. Well, I'm so, uh, I so appreciate your interest in the show. So thank <laughs> you. The haunting debut album Black Moon by Civic TV provides a cinematic backdrop, a modern day symphony of the dark and light that is our collective reality. Take a listen to Black Moon, now available via Flemish Eye Records and on all streaming platforms. patriarchy is dead and we killed it if you identify as a woman femme trans or non-binary citr wants you on the air you can talk about literally whatever you want as long as you care about it no worries if you have no experience we'll train you in everything you need to know come by citr and say hi hey hi hello from 11 a.m to 6 p.m monday to friday to help us never play led zeppelin on citr 101.9 fm ever again Hello, we're back. How are you, everyone? Expecting them to respond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am gonna wait for a response. Lua. Uh, oh no. No, you I... come in here and say I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so um, well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. We have more to come. Don't you worry. So the next interview we're going to be listening to is with Alicia Colley. Uh, she is one of the curators at ZZ Theater's Virtual Humanity. She will be talking about what virtual humanity is a little bit more in detail in our interview. But just a quick uh, information before we get into the interview. Basically, if you have heard of the human library where uh, you go and quote unquote check out. I a... love that. Yeah, that program was so cool. Yeah, it is. And because of, well, COVID, <laughs> ZZ Theater started doing virtual humanity last year, which is basically the human library, but in online format. And they're bringing it back now. And Alicia Colley is one of the uh, curators. She also was a storyteller so one of the books before <laughs> and now she's curating and this time around ZZ Theater is focusing on the indigi queer experience and yeah it's a really cool interview so <laughs> enjoy hello everyone today I'm with Alicia Kali who is one of the curators of ZZ Theater's Virtual Humanity. Hi, Alicia, how are you doing? I'm doing great, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Could you start us off by telling us what Virtual Humanity is, and could you also explain this um, 
well, not really year, but this time's <laughs> theme, which is Two-Spirit and Indige, Indige Queer Experience. Yeah, so um, my name is Alicia Kali, and I come from the Suwali First Nation located in Chilliwack, Cultus Lake, BC. And um, I am an Indigenous educational storyteller. I am a public speaker. I am a filmmaker. I am an artist. And I can't remember the rest of everything else I do right now. Um, but uh, back uh, around this time last year, ZZ Theater reached out to myself. And they asked me if I wanted to be a part of this project. And at that time, I was really unsure. I didn't know if I maybe had the right skills to be a part of this project. And I was also uh, wondering, you know, what was my workload going to look like during the pandemic? Mm -hmm. um, but what ZZ Theatre explained to me was that previously, for many years, they have been doing a project which is known as um, the Human Library Project. Mm -hmm. And the Human Library Project is a project designed to um, kind of meet with someone that you normally wouldn't one-on-one -on -one at a location. So, for example, I think what's been happening here in Vancouver is ZZ Theatre has been partnering with the Vancouver Public Library and storytellers, uh, some of who you would never really know their name or anything, they would be booked in that session based on their story title. Mm -hmm. And so a storyteller would go to the Vancouver Public Library and then virtual strain or sorry, not virtual strangers, uh, strangers and community members would come in to listen to that person's story and so it would be about a 10 to 20 minute uh, storytelling and interaction and conversation and this project in its conception was really um, to help understand each other's otherness what makes us unique what makes us different and then sometimes hearing the lived experiences of people that you normally would never have the opportunity to and so ZZ Theatre has been doing this in Vancouver for many years now. And uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, of course, we couldn't meet the same in person like we once did. And so they pivoted with this new project, very much of the same essence called Virtual Humanity. Mm -hmm. and, and Virtual Humanity very much is the same type of project, you know, where we have storytellers signing up to tell their stories and we have community members uh, coming to listen to those stories, but instead this is all happening on an online platform on Zoom. And so basically uh, what happens is storytellers uh, will be booked solely based on their title. And then a community member will come in and say, hey, I want to listen to that story solely based on the title. There's no identifying uh, features about the person other than the title they choose. And then they get put in a separate breakout room and have about a 15 to 20 minute storytelling and conversation and interaction period where uh, you you learn something that you probably never would have if you're signing up to hear the story. And so I took part in virtual humanity in March, not only as a curator, but also a storyteller. So I have experience <laughs> kind of on both sides of how this looks. And I also heard many other storytellers stories as well. So I've kind of like really been, um, involved in this whole project in, in every single angle. And um, people were really receptive when I shared my story. People were really, um, you know, they wanted to hear about my lived experience. And so my uh, story title name was a textbook identity Ooh. and people chose to book me based on that. And mm -hmm. so uh, it, it was always really interesting to hear people be like, well, I never thought you were going to talk about this based on the title of your story. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was a really interesting experience. And so it, the first iteration of Virtual Humanity, I feel, was a, a very successful endeavor. Mm -hmm. And so basically what happened was after Virtual Humanity happened in March and I was one of the Indigenous curators. Um, ZZ Theatre welcomed me back to also be another Indigenous curator for this new session of Virtual Humanity, which is focusing on Indigiqueer, Two-Spirit, and Indigenous peoples who are LGBTQ2SI+. Um, 
one thing that I've, I've learned from some of the participants is that uh, some of them don't identify as two spirit or indigiqueer. And it, it's this really interesting thing of how we define indigeneity. And so I make sure that, you know, there's room for people to find themselves in the project and find where they fit and identify or choose not to identify. Um, there's some people who are a part of this project where uh, they they definitely know that they're queer and, and indigiqueer, but it's also something that uh, traditionally in their culture and in, in their nation that they've never really had to define. And so it's a it's a really interesting thing. We have amazing participants from Canada, um, from Vancouver to uh, Toronto and Ontario. We have some down in Florida. We have some down in uh uh, Washington. Um, we even have a, a storyteller in Morocco. Wow. Um, so something that's really cool about this project is we're kind of trying to take down the barriers of what indigeneity is, because very often we think about indigenous peoples as you know either just from North America or just from North and South America. But the thing is, is that Indigeneity is really complex because there's people all over the world who are indigenous to their homelands. Yeah. And so we welcomed that as also an identity in this project. And um, personally, myself, um, one thing I wanted to make sure that was really important in this project was that we had Afro-Indigenous and Black Indigenous representation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you uh, heard about this earlier, but... Um, Back in June for National Indigenous Peoples Day, Sephora Canada launched a campaign. Mm. Uh, it was a promotional, I guess, uh, what do you call them? A commercial, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, it showcased a lot of Indigenous influencers who were really popular and showed them, you know, with a lot of strength and beauty. Um, but immediately after that, uh, Afro-Indigenous peoples and Black Indigenous peoples felt really left out mm-hmm. um, because they weren't included. They couldn't see themselves in the project, and uh, they tried to call in Sephora and the uh, attached organizations to the project, and they were met with a lot of dismissal and, oh, well, we'll just include you next time. Mm. Um, but for me, I feel, especially because I am a gatekeeper in this project, um, I don't want our own Indigenous kin to feel like an afterthought. Yeah. And it it felt really terrible to me that Sephora Canada purposely left out Afro-Indigenous and Black Indigenous voices. And what that further does is, especially um, youth who are growing up and seeing inclusion for the first time of Indigenous peoples on this scale, but then some youth can't see themselves in the campaign um, because they, they just weren't included. Um, I, I don't want for that. I want yeah. to be a part of progressive change. And I, I I kind of have a bit of a complex identity because I, I am Indigenous. I also have African ancestry and I also have white settler ancestry. And so for me, it's it's really making sure that not only am I doing right by the Afro-Indigenous and Black Indigenous communities, or at least trying my absolute best to, but it's also doing right by my ancestors. It's making sure that opportunities like this are something I wish could have been extended to, mm-hmm. you know, my my relations and knowing what my family has gone through. Um, I I just want there to be a lot of diversity and inclusion. And so something with this project that I, I took on was I made sure that half of the seats that I controlled, which was about 10 storytelling positions, mm-hmm. I made sure that half of those seats were specifically reserved for Afro-Indigenous and Black Indigenous peoples. Um, because I feel very often when you are a, you know, Indigenous person who looks very much like myself, who is clearly a white mixed native Mm -hmm. um it's really easy to take up space and it's really easy for people to relate to you because you're following some of the conventional standards of what has been accepted of indigeneity and 
I, I really want to be a part of that change. I want to give up some of the positions of power I control and make sure that, you know, when we have opportunities to pay our people, especially with this project, that we give paid opportunities to underrepresented voices. And that includes two spirit, that includes indigiqueer, that includes indigenous, Afro-Indigenous and Black Indigenous folks who are LGBTQ 2SI+. And so that was one of my goals for this project. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am happy to say that we have, uh, with the positions I've filled, I think at least six of the folks are Afro-Indigenous or Black Indigenous. And furthermore, um, other curators in this project, too, also have that same representation. So Mm -hmm. I am really proud of the diversity that we have, um, the different abilities that we have, um, and the fact that this project is really giving voices to those who have been historically underrepresented. Yeah, I think you should be proud. That all sounds really amazing. And the fact that you wanted to do what you can to be as inclusive as you can is really amazing and yeah also (laughs) you answered every single question I had (laughs) 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 so (laughs) I'm just gonna ask you um one last thing which is you said you were one of the well, quote unquote, books of this project before. So you've been on both sides of the project. Yes. How would you compare the two? Did you uh, do you think you would prefer being in the background and curating and doing what you can um, for this project in the future? Or are you happy to be one of the virtual humans again? Um, Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, one thing I hope in the future is that the the uh, community that ZZ Theater is looking for for each virtual humanity project changes mm-hmm. and it diversifies. And so some of the times that we have a different project, I might not fit in the criteria mm-hmm. as a storyteller. And I am 100% okay with that because I don't need to fit into every space. Yeah. Um, there, there are other spaces that I can find myself in, but just to, to know that ZZ Theatre is really committed to constantly including different diversities each time. Um, I feel that is really important, and I would be happy to be brought on as a storyteller again, but it's absolutely not necessary that I am. Um, I I really gained a lot of experience as a storyteller from my Mm -hmm. last session, and furthermore, I have taken this story that... I curated for virtual humanity last time for myself and I have now turned it into like a a 30 minute um, solo performance with multimedia and I'm just talking about my own family history and some of the uh, intergenerational impacts that are still present today um, in in myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like I got a lot out of this project because I feel like I was able to workshop my story in March and transform it into something that is really so different now and something that can be used as an educational tool. Um, that being said, as a curator, if ZZ Theater wants to bring me on again, I am more than happy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I One thing I'm really good at is like the uh, technical and logistical uh, side of things because I'm I'm very like detail orientated. So I think that's one of the things they do like about me. However, that being said, I am happy to pass on the torch if uh, necessary or um, wanted to someone who also has those same capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love partnering with ZZ Theater and I'm grateful for the opportunities that they've presented me with. Yeah, amazing. And how can people get tickets to virtual humanity? Yeah, so uh, there are tickets that will be available, I think, either in the next upcoming weeks or mm-hmm. so. Uh, they will be available on ZZ Theater's website. So you can search ZZ Theater in Google uh, if you want virtual humanity too. Um, they also have a, a website. Let me just quickly find it here so it's zztheater.ca 
Z spelled Z E E Z E E theater.ca. Uh, there will be tickets available for virtual humanity on there where you can book your uh, your virtual human mm-hmm. and hear their stories. And uh, I, I believe the tickets are five dollars uh, per spot. Um, and that's just making sure that uh, people are really committed to this project. It is a low cost option. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also makes sure that, you know, you're committed, the storytellers are committed. Um, and yeah, so if you're, if you're interested, uh, check out zztheater.ca and, uh, there will be tickets available and lots of really unique story titles, um, which I am so excited for. Yeah. I, I myself am excited also. Uh, it all sounds really great and, even if it hasn't happened yet, I am certain that all of you did a really great job with this project. And thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking with me about virtual humanity. Yeah, my pleasure. I am so excited that I got this opportunity. Um, I hope I said everything right. This is one of my first uh, radio (laughs) interviews. so <laughs> thank yep. you for giving me this opportunity to yeah. express my experience and uh, a little bit more about the project as well. Hello, we are back. Hi, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Alicia Colley. Check out Virtual Humanity if you still aren't comfortable with going to stuff in person. This is a great opportunity to get involved with the with the culture <laughs> i guess would you say culture like a cultural event yeah it's not really a cultural yeah. event i mean that's what we do here right like yes <laughs> <cultural> <laughs> events. exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> um from the comfort of your own home but if you uh prefer to go in person if you want to miss being in the theater well we have an interview for that too so our next interview is with costa and montana from studio 58 uh they're going to be talking about Studio 58's second show of the season called Everybody. But before we get into that, we're just going to quickly go into our Adam PSAs. Our Adam PSA breaks are very fast. So don't go anywhere. We're going to be back here. Yeah. And okay. Bye. <laughs> the Tribe Called Red is the hallucination with their new record, one more Saturday night, featuring Javier Mighty, Tanya Tagak, and more out now. TransCare BC works to enhance the coordination of trans health services across the province and offer expanded health services to support transgender communities. They are doing this by developing gender-affirming client-centered models of service, ensuring access to gender-affirming and supportive healthcare that is equitable and available, and supporting network development to make sure trans and gender-diverse individuals, their families, and healthcare providers have access to information, resources, and support. Check out phsa.ca. To learn more about this program and lend your voice to help create an inclusive and supportive system for trans members of our community. Yes, support trans members of our community. Yes, exactly. <laughs> support trans lives, support trans kids. They are important and unfortunately they are treated very badly. Um but yeah, now it is, as I said, time for another interview. Uh, everybody, well, the play Everybody is about this character, Everybody, that has been summoned by the character of Death to account for their life. Uh, one of the interviewees, Costa, plays Death, and the other one, Montana, is one of the other uh 26 actors that are in this play she is in the chorus that has a lot of actors and there is something very cool about this play uh which is that the character of everybody so basically how they do it is there have been five actors chosen and they do like a 
lottery system, like a raffle, to decide uh-huh. who's going to play everybody that night. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, right? So you get to see, like, every, like, go twice, and you'd have like, a different experience every time because you get different actors playing. Yes. That's cool. Exactly. Like that. Yeah, it is very interesting. And you're going to get to hear more about it in this interview with Montana and Costa. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. I am here today with two actors from Studio 58's second show of the season, Everybody. (laughs) Hi, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for talking to me. Uh, Would you like to start off by introducing yourselves? For sure. Uh, My name is Montana Lehman. I am in my last semester at Studio 58. And my role in the show is I'm a part of the chorus. I'm a chorus member. Mm -hmm. And I'm uh, Costa Lemmermeyer. I'm in my second to last term at Studio 58, and I am playing the role of death. It'll make so much more sense when we get into the show a little bit, Uh, which brings Mm -hmm. me into, uh, can you tell us what this show is about? Yeah, of course. So basically, everybody is going to die. The character of everybody. (laughs) And um, as the play progresses, they try and find... um, basically concepts that are played by actors to come with them into the afterlife only be only to be rejected again and again and again by different characters until finally love comes with them Mm -hmm. and i read and they die okay (laughs) sounds like a really fun play um (laughs) (laughs) it is it's actually pretty funny yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's sort of the journey of someone who's uh, coming to terms with their death and uh, how they learn to accept it mm-hmm. uh, at the end. <laughs> and I read on the press release that the character of everybody is chosen from the cast by lottery at each performance. So considering that everybody could be anybody from the cast, how are the how are you going about with the rehearsals? Mm-hmm. So it's a super unique rehearsal uh, situation that we have because um, the way it works in our our version of the show is that there's five people that could be everybody, the character of everybody, and out of those five people, you get a uh, we get a lottery. So one person becomes everybody, and then the other four becomes somebody A, somebody B, somebody C, and somebody D. So all of the scenes that we're rehearsing, we all have to rehearse five times with each uh, different actor playing everybody. Yeah, originally the play was written for nine people to play it with the roles of Usher and Death being only those two, but the other seven would cycle through every role. And Mm -hmm. so every role would be a lottery. Mm -hmm. Um, However, we have a cast of, I think, 27. So that makes that that a little more challenging. Yeah, so we just have the five, which is great. Yeah, Yeah. okay, that makes a lot more sense because when I read this, I thought that it was chosen from out of all the 27 people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it might be very chaotic rehearsals, but yeah, that sounds... (laughs) And so, Costa, you said that you're playing Death. And Montana, um, you're in the chorus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so how was the casting process for you guys with considering that... Uh, you could have been chosen. Well, are you chosen to be one of the everybody's? I'm assuming not, since Costa, your death. And- no, we were not one of the five. Okay, we're yeah. We're not one of the five. Yeah. Okay. Or somebody. Cool. Okay. So, considering that you could have been uh, chosen to be one of the everybody's, how was the casting process? Were you told that you know this was the concept of the show, or did you just go in with it? I'm going to audition for death, or you know. How did it all work out? Yeah, I, I don't think we knew exactly how it was going to work out. Um, I forget how many characters there are specifically in the script, but there's definitely more actors. I mean, we have 27 actors, so there's more actors than there are characters. So we knew that there was going to be some sort of uh, strange, magical theater stuff happening to make sure that everyone got a part. Um, but everyone, all 27 of us, went through the same audition process. So we all practiced a monologue. Um, we went in, did our monologue, we got together in groups to d- do some movement stuff and um, some sort of a group work, and then we got four or five different scenes that we rehearsed, and most of us cycled through different characters, so we spent a whole day auditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then, uh, and then the auditions ended at 9 o'clock, and mm-hmm. Kim had to cast every role that night. 
yeah. all 27. For a rehearsal to start the yeah, next the day. the next day, the next morning mm-hmm. for table read. Oh, no. is, <laughs> yeah, a, a crazy job. A, yeah, crazy ass, but yeah, got it done. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it would have, it was probably nice on your side to not have to wait too long to get the, you know, casting back. Um, yeah. Yeah. Were you guys involved with any of the virtual productions from last year? Well, I took a term out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't. I was in a, another virtual production the year before, um, and then I and then I took a term out. Um, and. Yeah, no, it was, maybe you want to speak more on Yeah, that. yeah, uh, I was, yeah, I was a part of uh, a lot of the virtual productions that had happened over the past year and a half with COVID, and um, I'm so grateful that our school was able to continue going on and, and find a way to make theater work online, but I think I speak for everyone where we're, when I say we're all really grateful and excited to be back in the space together. Yeah, the single bonus of doing a virtual show is that people can actually see what yeah. you're doing. That's it, though. Mm-hmm. That, is sim- that is the only bonus that yeah. you get from virtual theater. Yeah. And how is going back to live theater after doing one and a half years of virtual theater for you, Montana, and taking a year out? Well, a term out for you, Costa? It's so great. It's awesome, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so magical. And for to be in a space, especially with a cast that's so big, to stand in a circle and look at 27 other smiling faces that are that are thrilled to be there back in the theater. It, it really warms my heart. Hot faces, but yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Smiling it's, eyes, oh, smiling that's eyes. That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. still better than nothing. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm personally excited to watch you guys in theater. It's going to be so amazing after watching you through a computer screen for <laughs> one and a half years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see you there. Yeah. And your director, Kim, is a Studio 58 Mm -hmm. alumnus. Um, Do you guys think working with alumni has any differences slash advantages for you guys? Yeah, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes and no. Uh, It's nice that she has, because she's been through the program, she has an understanding of uh, what our work schedule is like and how we have classes during the day and then rehearsals in, in the evenings or on the weekends. Um, so she has an idea of how rigorous the program is, um, but it's also really great to have different perspectives. And, and she comes from a time where the, the program was quite different when she went to school. So uh, it's always great to have direct, different directors coming in with different backgrounds and different experiences, and we're able to learn from, from so many different people. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and are you guys going to be performing everybody with masks is it um are you doing any social distancing stuff how different is it from last year's productions so um we will be doing it with masks because the law on you want to be safe um and since since we're doing it with masks we aren't really um worried about social distancing as much and we're all i mean absolutely vaccinated yeah. all that i know of <laughs> uh, i know i am Monty is so yeah, that, that shouldn't be much of a concern. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever whatever policies come out, well, I mean, we'll adhere to. But basically, social distancing is not really something that we're concerned about. Yeah, yeah, yeah because we're all wearing masks, we're allowed to like put a hand on a shoulder, hug touch each, each other. other, hug each other. Yeah, uh, which lets us do so much more acting. Actually, wise. lets us do. <laughs> yeah, acting. Actually, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And how how is it acting with masks? Well, I kind of get used to it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I don't really think about it that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it sucks. It yeah. always sucks. It was definitely challenging yeah. at, at first, figuring 100%. out how to how to read your scene partner and how to how to communicate without the masks. But just like everyone else in the world, we've spent the past year and a half uh, going about our life with masks on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you do get used to it. Yeah. For sure. Understood. Well, everything sounds, well, by everything, I mean everything you talked about. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> everybody <laughs> sounds yeah. pretty incredible. Um, would you like to remind us all when people can watch you, 
uh, in person and when the showtimes are? Absolutely. So the show is running from November 25th to December 3rd, matinee at 3 p.m. and evening shows at 8. Yep. Yep. And that's that's about it on the running mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. Everybody written by Brandon Jacob Jen- Jenkins. Brandon Jacob Jenkins. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anything you guys would like to mention before we go or add? No, uh, you can get tickets on the Studio 58 website. If you just look up Studio 58, everybody, it should come up. Um, And we hope to see people there. That would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for taking taking the time out of your day to talk to me. I'm excited to see the show and talk about it on the show also. And yeah, thank you. Yay! Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Hi, we're back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Check out everybody at Studio 58, live in theater, November 25th to December 3rd, 2021. Yeah. Um, Before, so Lua just reminded me very kindly that we're going to be talking about Vancouver Christmas Market because we went to a media event, which was pretty amazing um but before we do that i just want to quickly remind everyone that we are having a ticket giveaway in this episode it is for dance well it is for red sky performance presented by dance house you're if you if you win the giveaway you're getting two tickets to opening night november 24th 8 p.m. at the SFU Gold Corp Center for the Arts. Running time is 55 minutes, no intermission. And yeah, email us at arts.chr.ca or message us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever works. Just, you know, just message us and be like, hey, I want those tickets and we'll give them to you if you're the first person to do so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or if there, I mean, if there are a lot of people, we will do like a random a, wheel yeah. thingy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, Lua, do you want to start talking uh, about the Vancouver Christmas market? Yes. So this is the second time I've ever gone to the Christmas market. And I think it's like a really cute act, like winter activity. It's just like really. Um, so basically the way the market is structured, if you've never been. It's um, near Cactus Club, between the Cactus Club and the, com- the convention center. Yep. Uh, on uh, Near Waterfront. And it's structured basically like a bunch of different vendors, a bunch of different food uh, things. They vendors. have like, Yeah, vendors. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking more like sto- little stores as oh, vendors, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they have like a really great variety. They have live music almost every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have mulled wine, like a lot of mulled wine. Yes. To be fair, mulled wine isn't my favorite thing, but their apple, their hot apple cider, delicious. Yeah, right delicious. across. Delicious. Right across where you get the mulled wine, you can get hot apple cider. That was amazing. Also, I just want to give a quick shout out to one of the performance. He's a Studio 58 alumnus, and he'll be performing November 20th, 5 to 6.30 p.m., November 30th, 8 to 9.30 p.m., December 7th, 5 to 7 p.m., and December 8th, 5 to 7 p.m. Yeah, catch Mateus on the the Vancouver Christmas Market. But yeah, please continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can check actually the entire lineup at Van Christmas, I believe is the, yes, their I can double check right website now. <laughs> slash Instagram handle. Um, yeah, so a number of different vendors. Uh, there's also a carousel and uh, a few different activities that you can go in and do. And there's obviously a d- number of different gorgeous photo ops. It's very much thought about in a way to like allow you to do some photo ops yes also i think it's very important to mention that the carousel is free this year (laughs) yeah so the carousel is free this year which is really exciting and um you can actually uh so the payment for the carousel is free but you can also give donations every donation with the carousel will go to i believe um the make-a-wish foundation yes also Going back to the entertainment, you can check out the lineup on VancouverChristmasMarket.com. It's very straightforward. That was all. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, also, um, there was the Gingerbread Men who yeah. performed. Yeah, that is a caroling, a group of uh, caroling singers. Yes. Not an actual 
gingerbread men. Yeah, no, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> they introduced themselves as not really carolers, not really a barbershop quartet, but just men who love to sing together. <laughs> Which is, you know what, a very nice way to introduce yourself. Yes, exactly. And they um, were really good and fun. The, the one thing I will say about the Christmas market this year is that I really, really like their selection of food vendors. Yes. Because they specifically chose like really small vendors that you're not going to find easily anywhere else. Yep. Um, they're like from all over the province, like a lot of people from like Kelowna, Cantaloupes. Yeah, um, there was someone from Bowen Island. Yeah, and it's like all super local, super cool, like a small production, very unique flavors. Everything was really, really delicious. Oh God, yes. um, a lot of family businesses. So, you know, like you're supporting yeah. local family businesses, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and really nice. oh, the addition this year—I almost forgot the schnapps, schnapps, schnapps plus, schnapps I don't remember. <laughs> I think it's called schnapps plus. I'm sorry for my terrible German. Uh, but it's basically like a little like alcohol side aisle. of the. Side. <laughs> well, they have yeah. like three vendors: one beer vendor, one liquor, gin and vodka vendor, and one wine vendor. Yes. And they're all really lovely. They're all I local. Thought, yeah, I thought the gin and um, vodka. I can't remember what they're, they're called honey right now. Infused. They're not. They're yeah, honey infused gin, which is fascinating. Um, yeah, and it. it's just a, like a, a cool, fun experience. It's yeah. definitely like a lovely date night, and I believe they might have some promotions for date nights. They did that mm. uh, two years ago. Yeah, and if you're not the if you have a family, if you have a child and you don't want to be going out drinking until late night, they also have family nights. Yeah, so they, it's a very family friendly um, or yeah. date friendly. You know, it's like a anyone, everyone should participate yeah, kind of event. Exactly. And it's such a cool concept because you get to support local businesses and you get to buy and enjoy things that you might not found find the other times of the year because when are you gonna go to Bowen Island to buy something or when are you gonna get to Pentington to drink wine you know yeah. <laughs> stuff like or that or to Kelowna to eat some sausages yeah you know, like <laughs> exactly <laughs> so it's it's very cool and definitely check it out. Also, tickets are very cheap. So, I mean, you, I think it's very it's a very reasonably priced um, ticket. So <laughs> don't think that it's, uh, you know, difficult to, to get in. Well, difficult for some people. Not everyone has money. But unfortunately, um, let's not get into capitalism yeah. right now. Yeah, <laughs> this is not the a... time. <laughs> but, yeah. So... Just a quick reminder before we go, Red Sky Performances, presented by Dance House. Two tickets for you, November 24th at 8 p.m. Let us know if you want a ticket, and you might get it. And check out everybody at Studio 58. Uh, also, everybody. check out the virtual... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't realize that was you. <laughs> Like, where's that music coming yeah, from? Yeah, what happened? I, I haven't started playing the music yet. <laughs> that lovely singing voice. Oh, my God. That perfect <laughs> voice. Oh, my God. And uh, the virtual humanity by the ZZ Theater. Yeah, check out all of those things. And also the Christmas market. That was pretty cool. Cool. But, yeah, anything to add, Lua? Um, Next show, we'll have a number of gallery reviews, which yep. is pretty exciting. I oh. love myself some galleries. It's the perfect thing for, you know, winter time. It's rainy, bad weather. Going to a gallery, you get to see beautiful art and, you know, enjoy your time. You can stay for as long as you want, literally. (laughs) So it's perfect. Also, we have reviews of Red Sky Performance. I will be going to. So check that out. And... Oh, one thing before I go. We're going to be doing reviews for the Whistler Film Festival. So if you're by any chance you're listening from Whistler, hey, we've got something for you. That's going to be pretty amazing. But that's not for next week. Whistler Film Festival's in December. So we have some time until that. (laughs) But yeah, that's all from us, folks. Thank you for listening. And we hope to catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye.